Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, David B. Lines, And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, we are going to be speaking about Amazon categories and how getting your categories in proper order can help you sell more books. After that, we'll be answering a question from our mailbag sent in by one of our lovely listeners about our approach to Facebook advertising. And in the final part of the show, Miriam Drory will be joining us all the way from Jerusalem, David, to answer our seven questions. Our seven questions is coming nationwide, oh, not nationwide, worldwide. Global. Global. We're getting global, baby. We are like, Um, we're like covid yeah, well, speaking well, of that, I, I, I haven't got COVID. It might sound like I've got COVID, but um, I've just, um, this is the result of having two weeks of having a wife and a child coughing constantly in your face. I think I've now got this uh, little lurgy, David, but um, yeah. whilst we um, are on the subject of the last week, how has your last week been? Good, actually. Yeah, I've, I've had a really good start to the year. Um, I'm setting up new ad campaigns for my uh, America trilogy so I've been working on that yesterday Um, and oh and thanks to you I I began researching Amazon ads attribution so I'm incorporating those links into my advertising now which is a bit of a game changer for us Rob I think uh, as you said to me it's because we're able to track the activity uh, once those links are clicked you know how Mm. many uh, KU page reads we've had from that link and how many purchases we've had from that link so it gives us a bit of data uh, which is key in any digital game uh, so I've stepped those up over the last few days. It's a bit early now to take any information from them. I think I've heard it, it takes about five to six days for the information to sort of filter through. Yeah. So I'll check that maybe uh, next Monday or early next week and see exactly how they're working for me. And then, as usual, I will sort of um, twist around the ads a little bit. I will, you know, I'll test, 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 and I'll find out which ones are working, and then I'll I'll put more money into those that are working and turn off the ones, the links that aren't working. Yeah. So yeah, a, a lot of setting up ads. Uh, I've also been plotting out a, a novella that I'm writing for my loyal readers, a follow up to one of my books that I think is going to come in at about twenty thousand words that I hope to get out in the first quarter of this year. Uh, what else have I been doing? Lots of stuff, screenplay stuff. Yeah, a very diverse week for me, but a good one in that I spent a lot of time working, which is is good. Which is always a good that week for me. That's what you should be doing. That's what I should be doing, not watching <laughs> Netflix. Um, I know you've caught a, a bit of a, a bug this week, but have you got around to doing much work, or have you been lying in bed like I would be? Uh, uh, no, I well, I launched a book last week. Of course. Yeah. Um. So it went well. Um, it's already covered its costs over the first like day or so. Nice. Um, got a nice orange tag. Got up and up near the like top couple of hundred on Kindle. So Brilliant. Again, another successful launch, and that's great. It's already getting good reviews, getting good ratings. So, um, that's been. I couldn't have got ill at a better time, really. Like. <laughs> 
like where I, I've done most of the heavy lifting on that book. So I've yeah. just kind of done things like, like some housekeeping on on my Instagram, on my my link tree, uh, my Goodreads profile. I've, I've got all sorted out, um, all my books updated, listening to Claire C. Riley's amazing advice from, I think, episode four when we spoke to her. That's right. All Claire those was weeks big ago. on Goodreads, yeah. Mm, all those weeks ago david but um yes i've done that um and i've booked in my editor for the next few books across the year just so i've got some like rough deadline dates for the things i want to write so it's been good i will go back to your thing about amazon attribute links i've set mine up however i had a slight issue with mine because i didn't have the correct amazon ads account (laughs) Oh, oh! So just because you have Amazon account set up in the same email address, is this right? No, no, different, different issue. Oh. <laughs> I've got so many issues. Um, I don't know, but I, I had an Amazon like Advantage account, not a seller's account. So I was oh. able to. It's like linked to your KDP account, but it meant I was able to set up ads. But when I set up ads, my products don't show under my name. I have to find them. Okay. So when I was saying up Amazon attribution links, it wasn't showing any of my um, products. I've, I've I've got around the problem. I sorted it out and oh, um, put a bit of a headache. Yeah, I'm I'm quite skeptical about attribution links. I've only had them going for like three or four days, but if the data that's coming back is accurate, and I've probably got to give it another week or so. I'm wasting loads of money on Facebook ads because according to them, only like 20 link, like 20 buys coming from thousands of clicks. I'm like, well, it's not, that's not the case. Cause if yeah. I switch them off, I will lose half my income. But so I know that for a fact. That's it with me with Facebook ads. Every time they're, they're motoring and they're going well, I'm selling lots of books, but there is no data that suggests these uh, sales are coming from the Facebook ads. You know, I've used, uh, you're not really supposed to do this, um, so I probably shouldn't admit to it, but I use the affiliate links in some yeah. of my Facebook ads. But you, you look if I, if I sell fifty books in a day through a link I know is selling me books. When I look at the the data on the uh, link, it will say two books sold. Yeah. And, and then when I turn, if I think this ad's not working, I turn it off. The sales decrease. So there's something about Facebook marketing that works, even though the data doesn't suggest it's working. Nobody's giving us that data, which is really frustrating. Um, so yeah, no, I know how you feel about that. Uh, I, I definitely stick with the attribution links, and we'll sort them out. I think over the long term rather than the short term. Yeah, hundred percent. You know me, I'm a I'm a data nerd, so yeah. um, I'll look at it. It doesn't look right to me. Yeah, but it's it's way too early to to make that judgment. So I think maybe we check back in a month's time, and we dedicate an episode to talking about how we've got on with our attribution links sounds great um, and i know we've had we've had a few um listeners ask for this in in the facebook group so you know we are listening uh we are as we always say we're the two indie uh, the two indie authors we are here for you so we will leave our attribution links running we will analyze the data say i give it a month i think a month's a good yeah. a good time frame and then maybe we sit down together and we dedicate an episode to talking through what we're seeing be open Sounds and honest good. about it and then we'll make our kind of our decision on whether or not it's it's as useful at all as is being touted around the indie author world 
Today's talking point, Robert, is all about Amazon categories. Now, Amazon categories is an essential tool for us independent authors, according to you, Robert. According to me, it's something I've been a bit laissez-faire about, to be (laughs) frank. Um, and no. uh, yeah, well, it's very, very David B. Lyons. This to be, to be classic, <laughs> to Dave, classic David B. Lyons. <laughs> classic. Um, well, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I did the Mark Dawson course, so I, I understood how to set up Amazon categories. I understand it's a useful tool, but I've been a bit lazy in that. For example, my first three books are crime thrillers, so I just. You know, I put everything into crime thriller or crime fiction categories. My second books are a little bit sort of crime as well, but they're also set in courtroom drama. So they all went into legal thriller categories. And then my third ones, I was sort of unsure about because it, it, it was sort of an indefinable genre a little bit. So I only this week haven't spoken to you about categories and decided we were going to discuss it on the show. Figured out that, oh, they should be in literary genre that's it these are these are literary fiction so i've only changed yeah. them all this week from talking to you and uh, and i know that that's the lazy way about it because say my second trilogy which is legal thrillers and i've just thrown them in legal thriller or you know courtroom drama type categories categories should be used a lot more intricately than that right yeah. So uh, you're going to go into that for us. You're going to explain that for the listeners. But I've sort of explained a little bit what categories my books are in. Could you tell us what categories your books are in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll go into it in depth over this conversation. I'm in 10 categories um, that I choose, that I so ask. So each individual book is in 10 categories. Yeah, I put all yeah. of my books because it's all one series. So all of my Sam Pope books are in the same 10 categories. Makes sense. All of my Bermuda Jones books are in maybe a couple of the same categories, but in their 10 separate categories. Yeah. Um, and it's worth getting it very right because that categories is a way of sort of gaming the system a little bit. That's how you look at it. As long as you do it correctly, there's a there's a correct way of gaming the system and there's a wrong way of gaming the system. So um, with categories, you can... You, you basically put your book in front of people who are looking for very specific books. So Sam Pope, as we know, is you know a lone wolf action hero isn't he like in the jack reacher mold that type of thing he goes from yeah. story to story one man army um so it would make no sense for him to be in legal thrillers yeah. there's no courtroom there's one there's one courtroom scene in the whole series and it's so over the top that you'd probably throw up david if you read it <laughs> um, classic robert enright yeah i love it making people love throw it. up um <laughs> but it'd make no sense for him to sit in that category that genre yeah because if someone is looking for that book that's how you need to think about it is if someone's looking for my book where would they want to see it because it's the whole it, it kind of links in with the whole like writing to market or things like that which we've been over where just because there is a market for it doesn't mean you can't enter that market so just because there's loads of thrillers in all these subcategories doesn't mean your book can't sit in there with them so instead of my book just being in like crime thriller 
my book is in things like military thriller and vigilante justice. So let me and, ask you this, Robert, then. Um, yeah. Is military thriller or vigilante justice, are they subcategories of crime thriller? So they are subcategories within subcategories. Ah. It's like Inception. This, right. is, this is how granular nice. you can go with it. And this is where it says like you can sort of game the system. And this is why categories are really important because I've got mold. I'm pretty sure every single one of my Sam Pope books at some point in time has had an orange bestseller tag. Yeah. That's not bestseller on the whole of Kindle. Yeah. Because to do that, I'd need to sell millions of books, right? Mm -hmm. I get those tags because I become the bestseller in these categories. But it's not being dishonest to say my book is an Amazon bestseller because I can prove it. I am a bestseller in this category of Amazon. So So what you're saying is our listeners should be trying to find niche categories that their books fit into because if they're more niche therefore they're going to be higher in the ranking on this category page and the higher you are ranking in a category page the more eyes are going to be on your prize yeah absolutely and you can so you can right. go to any of my books um if you go to like the night shift sam pope number one and you go down to the book information bit you usually get so amazon will show you your overall kindle rating and then they will show you the three categories that you are the highest ranked in. Yeah, on your uh, sales bear, page. Yeah, on your sales page. Now, bear in mind, when you upload your book to Kindle, you can only pick two categories. And they're really broad categories. Like you can do fiction, crime, fiction, thriller. Right. And they are such broad categories that you're never going to land that high again like like i said unless you sell a million books so what you want to do is you want to go into those categories and you want to be in the subsection of those categories so um whereas i might be like the night shift is probably i don't know in in, somewhere in the top two thousand books on kindle it's in the top 10 in like three categories and those are the categories where my fan base live they read those books so you're no, you're thirteen in terrorism thrillers, okay? Okay. So, uh, which is great, but are so many people going to search for terrorism thrillers? Is is would be my question. I I think I could go into lots of niche categories, but are people going to be searching for those niche categories? I guess your high ranking suggests they are. Well, that's the thing is you you think oh well I I wouldn't go in there and type terrorism thriller mm-hmm. but you need to think like the customer might click on the book so say my ad or say someone else's ad say an author similar to mine they they get taken to the amazon page by an ad or they come across yeah. it because they've read the books and then they go down and they see that ranking and they go oh this is like number seven in because i do this on products oh this is number seven in this genre right let's see what the other books are like in that genre and they uh, click okay, so that and go the through and then they go through to the the whole the top one hundred of that category, and in some of the categories, all ten of my books are in the top fifty. So I like right. dominate that page. Yeah, almost like I take up a fifth of the page. So the so, Robert Enright brand is 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 speaking to these people who click this category yeah, page, and, it, and it'll be in like military fic, uh, military thriller, 
terrorism thriller, men's adventure fiction, stuff like that. Because right. So you, what you're when, saying to me is it doesn't matter how niche the category, just get up as high in the rankings as you can. Exactly, because I don't know about you, David, say you want to buy a Hoover, right? And you've been told by your friend, this Hoover's really good. And you go on Amazon yeah. and you type that in and you look at it and you think, yeah, that is good. So it might be a bit expensive or, uh, oh, it's number five in Hoover's. Yeah. I wonder what number one is. Right. And you click. If that's how you shop, that's how I shop online. Sometimes I'll see, right. okay, what yeah, else is available? Sense, yeah. So you click in and then suddenly, oh, look, here you go. There's, there's something else here. So I kind of look at it that way with the books. That way with the categories. Right. So your advice to me is I'm in way too broad category, yeah. uh, the categories I've chosen. I should niche down, find out exactly what my genre is and yeah. write off to Amazon to have my books included in these more niche categories. Is, yeah. it, is it that simple to ask Amazon to do that? So, so Amazon don't like uh, hide it, but they don't promote it. So right. it's no, it's not like when you're setting up the book, you can do it. Like I said, it's very broad. So um, how you do it is as follows. You go to your Amazon Author Central account, not your KDP account. You go to the Author Central account. Yeah. In the, in the top right, there's a button that says help. Mm -hmm. So you click that and then you ignore all the options they give you and you click contact us at the bottom of the list. That takes you to another list. And you of things that you they could help you with. You select Amazon book page, update Amazon categories, and then you get to send them an email where you like list out all your books with your ASIN numbers, ASIN numbers, and then yeah. all the categories you want them to put them in. And then they usually do it within like a day or so. Um, Fascinating. Now, how can I find niche categories for myself? So uh, the best way to do it is if you go to the Kindle store, um, find I don't know, any of your books or any book, and like I said, go to their ranking and just click on the Kindle store one, and that will take you to like the top layer of Kindle categories. That's the 100 top Kindle books. And then down the left-hand side, you'll see they will be split out into things like fiction, non-fiction, gardening, whatever. So you pick yeah. the ones that apply to you. So I would go like fiction um, and then I'd probably go crime thrillers and mystery or crime thriller suspense or whatever it's called. Right. Um, I think it's crime thrillers and mystery. Now I could just send that to them and say, put my book in Kindle books, crime thrillers and mysteries. But again, that's still so broad. So you could then click on thrillers and you could go Kindle books, crime thriller and mysteries thrillers but this is why i said it's like inception you go like a subsection yeah. within a subsection <laughs> i want to go into military thrillers so the category yes. i give them is kindle books crime thriller mystery thrillers military right and that's you need to lay it out in breadcrumbs like to them. You can't just say, put my book in military thrillers because they won't do that. You have to do it in, um, like you have to type out the whole down. list. So I would, what I would do is I would open up just like a notepad on your screen and yeah. I would just write out, 
the breadcrumb trail essentially and they they show you in the email that you send them on the author central they show you the format that they want it written out in right um so it's all there like i said they don't really promote it but i would say if you go through and just go through the categories like go through go to every single crime category if you write in crime fiction go through all the crime categories all the thriller categories all the mystery categories literary fiction categories they'll have stuff in there women's fiction men's fiction like and you can find these subcategories where it's like why it might take 200 sales a day to chart in kindle books crime thrillers and mystery thrillers it might only take 20 books for you to get near the top in military thriller or right um, vigilante justice like and then what that does is it it shows amazon that you're near the top of the charts and they will then push it out to people and so on and so forth and ah okay so the advantage of being in the top 10 say of a niche category like vigilante justice um the benefit is not just that somebody might be checking that page it's that it might help the amazon algorithms to show your book more often to people because it's high in a in a ranking I, I mean, I don't have that as facts, but I think we'd yeah. be naive to think Amazon aren't tracking yeah. <laughs> what our preferences are. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it's beneficial for them to put in front of people things that people might like because they want you to buy it. I get emails yeah. all the time. Of, oh, you check this out. Like, you might like this. Um, yeah. Or you might like books from this author. Yeah. And I just think the better position you can put yourself and this is free. All of this is completely free. So yeah. you could be sitting there going, oh, my book is at free like marketing. 80,000 on Kindle and then like 25,000 in this broad category that I picked when I uploaded it. You could go in and do this. It would take you half an hour to find 10 categories and send it off to Amazon. And then you could be in the top 100 charts. So I even did this on my pre-order for the last Sam Pope book. Right. Because I put it up for pre-order, I had to pick the broad categories. I sent them an email through the system I, I I just went through saying, please, can you put out of reach in these categories? And within a day, because of the pre-orders I'd had and the sub-genre I'd, been put, I'd had my book put in, out of reach became the number one hot new release in two categories and like number wow. two in like another three. Fantastic. But, so... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but if I hadn't have done that, it would have just sat at, I don't know, number 10,000 in crime. Yeah, in and it wouldn't be category. as visible. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So even though we don't know the specifics and we don't know the answers why, because Amazon don't want to share this data with us, um, it is much, much better to be in niche categories and ranking high because something is working for you. It, it, the, the, your prize, which is your book, more eyes are on that, whether that's natural searches from uh, potential readers who are looking for books that are ranking high. Um, and it's likely, even though we don't know, that Amazon are also pushing your books because they see that it's doing well in certain categories. So... Robert's big advice is to find your niche categories. There's no point in finding a very niche category if it doesn't relate to your book, right? 
Yeah, like I wouldn't put Sam to, Pope yeah. in gardening. Even though like, you get number one ranking. I get number one ranking in some type base because it only takes five sales. Yeah. To get that because it's such a a niche category. Yeah. And this is what I said earlier. There's a there's a right way of gaming the system and there's a wrong way. So if you were to put your books into the wrong categories because you know they're that niche that you could um get a few sales and get like a number one bestseller tag. Yeah. That's you know, I don't want to be number one bestseller in I don't know teen werewolf fiction because that's yeah. not my genre so you need to just look at categories as you want the people who are interested in your book looking at your book and i think it takes people quite a while to figure that out because they want everyone to look at their book because they want everyone to buy their book but yeah i don't want everyone to buy my book i want people who are interested yeah. in military thrillers in um, vigilante justice books they're the people I want looking at my book. So I'd rather be yeah. ranked near the top of those charts than in the yeah. broad charts that most people would look at because they're the people who are going to most likely buy my book. And that's why it, well, it makes sense to look at your, like you said earlier, look at your similar authors. Like you can go to your author page and see also bought or look at the authors you kind of compare your, your book to in the yeah. same genre and then look at what categories they're in on their book page and then work yeah. back from there your categories that you want to go in very great advice really impressive yeah i can it, it, anecdotally i can even say to you that my last three books uh the america books which i've really just realized this week are literary fiction and this is coming mm. from somebody who uh, lectured in creative writing for quite a number of years as well uh, and i've only realized what genre i'm writing in um, <laughs> the, they were in because I was used to it with my, my previous six books uh, thriller categories you know like crime thriller and psychological yep. thriller and stuff like this and I had a couple of reviews early doors that were going they might even say I love this book or you know um, oh I didn't enjoy this because it, it was in the thriller it, it's classed as a thriller and it's not a thriller so even though I was just a little bit out not like wide out like gardening are you know werewolf uh, fiction i just had marketed in thriller categories and people were saying this isn't a thriller and they're right it's not a thriller but i just my my lazy approach to the categories sort of just had a instead of hitting the bullseye i was hitting the 25 ring and even right. being that far out was still an issue for readers uh, what well, that's it is it's it's you you don't want to sell someone something incorrectly like I said, you want yeah, the right people exactly. looking at your book. So those people who were in that category, they weren't um, your right audience. But yes. just, so just before I wrap this up, I've just gone on to the uh, Kindle store and I'm looking mm -hmm. at this is the so I'm in Kindle store books, crime, thriller, and mystery thrillers. Now I'm in the subsection of thrillers. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 different wow. subsections of thriller inside crime, thriller, and mystery. Inside. Oh, so, right. But there's some there that won't apply to me, so I wouldn't put medical yeah. thriller. So find a two or three that apply to you, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick historical. I wouldn't pick mm. techno thriller. But there are ones in there that do, that do um, apply to me. So... What I will do is I'm going to do a small 
video that we'll post in our Facebook group, David, where I will show someone, I will show us how to go through and find these categories and also where that um, magic button is on the Author Central to send to Amazon. Um, just Look so you, our listeners, well, I'm very generous. Very generous. I'm probably the most generous man in gift- the world. Well, you're definitely the most generous man on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it is called Two in the Office. Um, <laughs> wow, so you're going to do a video walkthrough to show our listeners yes. how to set up the categories? Yeah, and, and where to Brilliant. send it. So I, I just, I'll do that. And I just hope that all of our listeners, if they haven't done this, go away and actually have a look at this and put their books in the right categories because not only is it really good for you know having the right eyes on your book um it feels good to see your book ranked high in charts david it is time for the mailbag where our awesome listeners send us fascinating questions that you and i will pick out and discuss for five minutes to give our view on it and this week's question comes from dylan jones he starts off with love the podcast guys which is always lovely to hear thank you dylan um i'm intrigued about your facebook ads approach recently i read and indeed it's what i do that instead of targeting lots of separate audiences better results via dave goffran are coming from wide targeting and letting facebook do the heavy lifting any thoughts yes i'm actually a fan of dave goffran who has some really good insight on um marketing and dylan yeah there's an argument to be had about allowing facebook to do all the heavy lifting so i think what dylan is asking here is should we leave our targeting in our facebook ads pretty wide so maybe a couple of million people or three million people is the target audience yeah i do that in some of my ads and some of them i tighten down on and but i guess i learn how to tighten them the audiences down from having success in wider targeting. Yeah. So there's definitely an argument to be had that allowing Facebook to do all the heavy lifting here. So, for example, if you write in a romantic comedy genre, you could easily just target Julia Roberts movies and allow Facebook to sort of wade through the weeds and sort of find people who are interested in clicking into your ad. Yeah. However, my opinion on this is, yes, if you write in romantic comedy, run one ad to Julia Roberts movies, run another ad to Julia Roberts movies plus another target, you know, run another ad to a comparative author, run another ad to, say, uh, Cecilia Hearn book, so something in your genre, um, and then run another ad that incorporates all of these things. So, you know, I'm always saying this, but test, test, test. So hmm. if, if you have a budget of £100 to run ads, run 10 10 pound ads and find out which one is working the best and then you know this is my sort of bullseye audience that i want to hit on facebook ads now facebook ads are a little bit of a lottery because even when you find an ad that's working so if i have an ad that's working and for some reason it gets turned off or something happens if i restart that ad and i know what this is the audience that works and i i i you know, you know, target and zone in on it again. It mightn't work the next time. It's so odd. The Facebook algorithms are so odd that they, the same ad might work 
and then it may not work if you restart mm. it again. So it's, you know, Facebook will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. I sort of skewed your answer a bit, Dylan. But what I would say to you is, yes, go wide and then zone in to smaller audiences and test, test, test them and see which ones really work for you. It's definitely about testing Facebook ads. What about you, Rob? Well, I mean, you, I have very little to add to that. It's very succinctly um, put, but I agree with you. I think you, you just have to test what works. Um, the one thing, so what I do personally is I my ads are targeted to numerous um, similar authors and like genres, like action thrillers or crime thrillers, stuff like that, all in one ad. But I narrow it down by saying that they have to have specified that they like kindle yeah so it means you like this and you have a kindle because they're the people i want to target um yeah the only thing i have done like david said there is is you kind of have to test stuff is i also look at the data that facebook does provide you with so we always you know complain about what we don't have access to it's also worth highlighting that facebook does show you um the genders the age gap the age ranges that are clicking on your book um and the average cost of those clicks so um i would say always make sure if you're doing like testing so if you've got a hundred pound budget like david said and you test it don't just look at which one got you the most clicks or Mm -hmm. the most sales also go just into the back end of the data and see which age groups which genders like got you the clicks because if I use my ad as an example. The majority of my clicks come from men above 50. I could narrow that audience down to that age range and that gender, but give it the same budget and it becomes more successful as an ad because I'm targeting the people who are clicking my ad more than the people who aren't. Yeah, that's what I do too. Yeah, it, 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 and it is a... An, an example of good testing, 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 finding the data then... Uh, that will give you answers to pass your test, really. It's time for the seven questions feature again, mm-hmm. Robert. This comes around so quickly. Um, and guess what? We have a wonderful guest with us today. We have Miriam Drory with us. And Miriam is joining us all the way from Jerusalem. How about that? Wow. Hi, Miriam. Hi, hi Robert and hi David. Uh, thank you very much for having me and uh, sorry about my voice today, but I hope it holds out for the interview. Oh, it sounds great. It sounds great. And it's our, our pleasure to have you on the show, Miriam. Thank you very much. Um, it's true to say you write in different genres. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your books, please? Uh, yes. Okay. So currently, I have uh, three books published: uh, two of fiction and one non-fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. All three. Wait, the two fiction ones. Yeah, they're different genres. Uh, one of them is crime, and the other one is uplit. If you know what that is, most people seem <laughs> yeah. to know what it is. <laughs> nice. Um, all three of them were originally published by a traditional indie publisher. And two of them left because the the publisher changed direction and they didn't fit anymore. 
And the other one left more recently because it's the first of a series and I wanted to keep the series together. Um, ah, yes. The, well, I then joined a, a cooperative of indie authors and okay. the two fiction books are now published through them. Um, what links all three books is social anxiety, but I don't want to be known as an author who writes only about social anxiety, although I'm passionate about raising awareness of it, but it's only part of who I am. And I also have several short stories uh, in various anthologies, and none of those is about social anxiety. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Well, I, I would like to get under the hood here and see how you have been doing with your independent author business, Miriam. So are you ready to face the seven questions? Uh, yes. <laughs> reluctantly, reluctantly yeah. ready to face the seven questions. Okay, Robert, it's a nice, easy, easy couple to start in with, isn't it, Robert? Do you want to take question number one, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, Miriam, question number one, are you a full-time author? Well, even that one's hard to answer because <laughs> even though I, yeah, you know, I don't have a day job anymore, and I don't have young children, and I, that ought to mean that I'm a full-time author. But I do a lot of other things that aren't work-related. Um, I don't know, shopping, cooking, cleaning—they all take <laughs> up time. And uh, and I go to folk dancing three times a week, and nice. uh, and I've travelled a lot and uh, visited exotic places or just gone away for a quiet break and with all that's going on i i feel i can't really call myself a full-time author well full-time living life to the full is what i would call that oh yeah sure yeah love it wow i'm envious now um absolutely if you're interested i i wanted to tell you about um say a typical well not a typical week actually about what happened this week because i think it's sure. relevant yeah <laughs> yeah go for it um, okay so my plan for this week was to put everything aside and concentrate on editing uh, number 2 in my crime series mm -hmm. because it's now been read by three wonderful beta readers so nice on sunday which is the first day of the week here in israel i didn't get as far as opening the files <laughs> I, I discovered an author interview in my email box, uh, inbox, and one that I'd applied to do, so I needed to answer it. Um, and that involved a lot of thinking and writing and rewriting. And in the middle of all that, there was a family emergency and I had to go out for an hour or so. And then there were, I don't know, meals and Facebook interactions and so on. And it was late in the evening when I sent off my answers to the interview question. So on Monday, I started the editing, but I also spent some time on social media and I didn't get very far. When this guy called David Lyons sent me an email asking <laughs> if I could be on a podcast. And, and I remembered that in a bit of madness, I'd signed up for this. So I abandoned the editing and listened to the latest podcasts and tried to get out of it because the, the authors I heard were so fluent and, and I felt I, w I wouldn't be good on this podcast. 
but, but somehow David's insisted, and, and so that was the end of that day. I think, then... I think you're doing yourself a disservice there, Miriam. <laughs> I think you're... Yes, you're doing a great job. Yeah, and you're absolutely... Um, <laughs> The whole, the one of the best things about this seven questions, uh, David. I don't know if you uh, agree with me. Is the fact that we get it, it's open to every independent author, regardless of what stage they're at in their career, how um, fluent or confident they are. Like it, it's a platform for us to discuss the world of indie authoring. So I think um, trying to get out of it would have been the mistake, Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Yeah, I do say um... so. <laughs> On, a, on Tuesday, there were all sorts of things that happened, like I, I published a blog post and I had to announce it. And then I saw my interview from Sunday had been published, so I had to announce that. And then I continued emailing David and I thought about the answers to these seven questions and, and I went out to folk dancing. And on Wednesday, there was a surprise trip out of town and folk dancing in the evening. And here we are on Thursday, and I haven't done any editing. <laughs> that's, that's not untypical. <laughs> that's not untypical for me either, Miriam. You, the answer to this question is you are a full-time living life. It sounds amazing. Um, you, you can get to the editing once we're finished this interview. We, we won't <laughs> keep you long, I promise. Um, which brings me swiftly to question number two, which I guess... Um, it gives us an indication or a listener's indication of the decisions you have made thus far in your author career. Have you decided to be wide or exclusive to Amazon? So it made sense to me to make the ebooks exclusive and the paperbacks wide. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I invested in uh, ISBNs mm-hmm. so that I could print the books in different places, although I haven't actually dealt with that yet. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah, yeah. That's the same as what me and Rob do. We, we, we both uh, are wide with our paperbacks, and exclusive with the uh, eBooks because the KU page reads um, are enough for us. It, it's too. It's about forty to forty-eight percent of our income. So mm. yeah, it makes sense for us that way. Yeah. Um, so Miriam, question number three: Name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Well, I haven't really invested in services. Um, I wanted to sing the praises of services that come free mm-hmm. or as part of the package. Um, first of all, we all complain about Amazon and all these similar self-publishing services, but they actually work quite well. And without them, we true. wouldn't be doing what we do. So true. Um, then there's good old Microsoft Word which can do so much more than people realize. And in my previous role as a technical writer, I learned words well. And sometimes I see writers doing complicated things with other software that could be done much more easily using Word. And because all that's automatic, then there's less chance of human error creeping in. Um, I saw one author said that that she copied, after writing a draft, she copied the, the um, all the page numbers where the page, uh, the beginning of every chapter and the end of every chapter, 
and um, number of words, and, and she copies all this to um, an Excel file. Um, and uh, there, there's so mm -hmm. much room for mistakes doing that, and words could do everything she did automatically. Um, um, ah, for graphics, um, one app that I use is PowerPoint. Yeah. Which I, it has a lot of great features. Um, it's not just for presentations; you can make good graphics with it. And but the one I tend to fall back on because it's simple is Paint. Oh, oh really? Um, nice. I think I think it can do, you know, amazing things, <laughs> uh, and and it's easy to use. Nice. Oh, I, That's an interesting I, I, answer. Yeah, Paint. I agree with you on on the mic on Microsoft. Um... Uh, software, I, I Word, Excel, obviously me with Excel, but I think the amount of stuff you can do with the Microsoft software is like so much of it is unknown to people. So yeah. I think it's a really good shout that uh, Microsoft Word is. But I, I use Microsoft Word yeah. um, to write in, and I think it's it's a spot on answer. So thank you. Yeah, it is indeed. Which brings us to the question four, Miriam. Uh, how do you market your books? Um, okay, in the in the email you wrote this uh, brief overview of your marketing strategy, and I thought, ha ha, marketing strategy that <laughs> sounds much too grand for what I do, <laughs> and yet it takes it up loads of time, which I really want to spend on writing. Yeah, I may post on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I interact with others on social media and um, every so often I try other platforms like Pinterest and LinkedIn um, but I never manage to keep up the momentum there yeah mm. um, I've tried Amazon ads but it all sounds so complicated yeah um, Amazon ads is is a a tricky beast to get your head around yeah. it's it's not the most user friendly i don't think i think once you understand it it's it's better but trying to learn it can be quite tricky yeah yeah um i think back to the days in in 2014 my first novel was published and it managed to sell fairly well although i hardly did anything to promote it um i just want to go back to that time and put my books out there and carry on writing mm. yeah yeah it's it's a complicated business uh independent authoring and there's a lot of strings to a lot of balls that we, we sort of have to play with and uh, as I, i've me and robert have often preached on here everything is sort of a baby it's brand new um facebook advertising is brand new amazon advertising is brand new all these platforms that you've mentioned like linkedin and stuff they're all relatively new so it is it is about learning them and getting our heads around them and then using them as best we can so it it it, it shouldn't be seen as as a huge mountain that we have to climb it, it, it's it's a mountain that everybody else is on a similar sort of parapet and we all have to try to climb it and walk our own route up to the top of that mountain but um mm. Stick with it. You're doing a great job, Miriam. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think you are. Um, but qu question five. What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? 
Um, well, I know what I'm glad I, I didn't know at the outset, and that's what an enormous, complicated business this is. Mm -hmm. um, I found learning about writing at the beginning uh, was quite difficult, and I read lots of books about it and so on. Um, but this publishing thing is, is massive. <laughs> and you said it's not a mountain, but uh, I think if I'd known what was involved from the beginning, I might not have continued at all. Um, but you, you have delivered great products, Miriam. Uh, your, your books are absolutely amazing. You should check Miriam Drory, D-R-O-R-I, on Amazon. Uh, fantastic books. Do you, do you just don't feel confident enough in the marketing? Right. Yeah, okay. And have you invested much monetary-wise in the marketing? Uh, mm. I've spent uh, money that shouldn't have spent. Ah, okay. So um, you've had your... on, on, I would say you know, the most that was spent was on the marketing courses. Right, yeah. Ah, so... Through, I think, two courses. And uh, the first one was totally over my head. It was all um, technical and uh, I didn't follow it. Yeah. And the second one they did, but I haven't actually done the stuff that I learned about. Oh, okay. So you've been hesitant to investing money in marketing. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Yeah. That, that's totally, I, I, totally understandable. I don't think you're alone in, um, in that aspect. I remember it probably took me a good, I mean, I, I've documented my um, writing journey to this point over the podcast. And I think the first three, four years of my um, indie author career, I was always hesitant to, to to spend money on stuff because I just didn't know if it would come back. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest psychological things um, a lot of people, not just in our business i think in most people starting up businesses anywhere yeah that's the big psychological thing is is the investment monetary at the beginning not knowing if it's going to come back so i don't think you're alone in that one miriam at all yeah definitely not which is a part of the reason why we set up the podcast the the, the answer to this is probably going to be marketing but i'll ask it anyway <laughs> it's question number six miriam is what is your biggest frustration as an independent author well, you're wrong. Oh, yes, I like, I like to be wrong. I like to be wrong. <laughs> because marketing, you know, if I get fed up with it, I can put it to a side. Yeah. Well, actually, no. maybe, maybe, maybe you're not wrong altogether. <laughs> He's always what wrong. I, what I was going to say was, uh, was technology. Okay. Because well, three things about technology in particular. So first is that Technology itself is forever changing and you have to keep learning new things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes I can't get something to work and I, I know I managed to do it recently and I, I just can't. This time it just won't work. And that's really frustrating. Um, so it's not enough that you have to learn new things. You have to remember them all as well. Yeah. Um, and the third thing, the most frustrating business thing of it all is sometimes I ask my son to help me with something I'm struggling with 
Um, he comes and presses a few buttons. And he does it all much too quickly for me to follow. He says, there you go. <laughs> I've been spent hours on it. <laughs> Oh, um, as someone who spent a decade in installing and training people on systems and things like that one thing i will always say is if someone's sitting down showing you how to do something or you figure something out for the first time make a note of it and save it somewhere yeah. always um because i guarantee i did it a couple of weeks ago editing this podcast in fact i did something that worked and then I went to do it again the following week and I couldn't for the life of me remember how I did it and I ended up going down about an hour and a half's worth of YouTube videos just to get to the literally one button I had to click right because I couldn't remember how to do it so I've made a note now but I think that's uh it's a very common thing Miriam <laughs> especially with technology it is yeah absolutely yeah. So, so I said it's not entirely two different things because all this technology is in order to do marketing so yeah 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 um, it is the fundamental um part of any business really is 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 taking that step to to investing in yourself speculating to accumulate mm-hmm. um but miriam for, for someone who said that they didn't uh didn't, didn't want to do the seven questions you've now come to the final one um <laughs> so question seven and then we'll let you go um, is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? It's uh, to enjoy the rides and have fun. Absolutely. Um, and although I've complained a lot here, and I often complain, about, <laughs> um, but I do enjoy most of what I do. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think oh, that's brilliant. absolutely sound advice. Miriam, you're an absolute star. Thank you so much for joining us um, almost halfway around the world uh, this morning. And we wish you all the best when you're in the auto business. It's not that far, Tony. Is it a couple of hours? What time? We're 10.51. Are you 12.51? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's two hours out. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's 2,000 miles, I think. Oh, was it? So the, halfway around the world. It's not, it's not the other end of the world. One, one, one eighth of the world away. <laughs> but we really appreciate your time and we wish you all the best with your uh, continued success and your indie auto career we want you to speculate to accumulate keep listening to the podcast and um, hopefully we can deliver some tips to help you along the way okay thank you very much for having me thank you so much Miriam to indie So there we are, Robert. We are going global. That's uh, Miriam. Thank you so much for joining us from Jerusalem. I think we've been in America and we've been down to New Zealand. We've yeah. had lots of guests on from the UK. So yeah, yeah, we're going around the world. Yeah. And once again, Miriam keeps up the record of every single one of our guests being absolutely lovely. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. yeah it's just this in the auto community. I guess what it is, is... Um, because taking the independent auto route, it means you're taking some sort of liberal route, doesn't it, to life? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not going to be stuck in the system. And I think liberal people in general, not getting political, by the way, I don't think liberalism <laughs> has anything to do with politics. But I just think those carefree people tend to be, you know, quite nice. And we've been very, very lucky. We've now had 15 guests on. I can't remember anyone we've had on that I don't want to speak to again. <laughs> Everybody's just been really, uh, we, really you lovely. You had me on. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I have to speak to you. We're, we're sort of contracted yeah. to do this, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so. There's a bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, another another um, wonderful uh, author to speak to, and I can't wait to speak to more and more as the podcast goes on. So if anyone wants to sit in the chair opposite David and myself, um, electronically, obviously, um, there is a form on the Facebook group that you can fill out. It takes one minute and um you can submit your entry to be in the seven questions hot seat and we will be in touch david it's the end of the episode what yep, have you got on another this week one comes to an end this week i have another meeting with my agent we, we want to get the this screenplay nonsense uh, <laughs> sorted sorted out we uh, i am also hoping to plot out this book which is a sequel novella to my best-selling novel. So it's yeah, I'm keep I'm I'm keeping busy and I'm in a good flow. So I'm I'm hoping that continues for the last week in January. What about you, Robert? What have you got on for the next week? Um, I am taking the weekend off, um, which I do now, yes. and then next week I am spending the first half of it in Disneyland Paris. So I will not be working. So. You know, nice I'll, i guess i will i'll be back late wednesday david so i will speak to you next week